I'm Ilter Ibrahimov. And I'm Nicole Inika Hamilton. You're listening to Mambo from Fall for Dance North. For our fourth season of Mambo, we paired artists that are featured at our 2023 annual festival with a creative peer and invited them to sit down for an intimate conversation. A jingle dance competition transforms Union Station, the beating heart of the city, into a celebration of Indigenous culture and beauty. Groundbreaking UK-based Kanduko Dance Company debuts their sonically immersive new duet. Tony Award-winning dance maker Sonia Taya brings her inspired collaboration with New York's Gibney Company for its Canadian premiere. And Mozambique-born Toronto-based artist Pulga Mushashoma takes us on an unforgettable journey of self-discovery. In addition to these four episodes, we also have an exclusive extended interview with the creative team behind the upcoming CBC documentary series Swan Song. This new project brings viewers inside the National Ballet of Canada as the company mounts a legacy-defining new production of Swan Lake, directed by ballet icon Karen Kane as she bids farewell to the organization she called home for more than 50 years. So take a seat, take a breath, and listen in. This is Mambo. Good evening, my name is Freddie Gipp. I'm born and raised in Lawrence, Kansas. I'm an enrolled member of the Apache tribe of Oklahoma. My Indian name is Saint Tompa, which means lead horse in the Kiowa language. And it was given to me by my late grandfather, Burgess Lee Tapado. And, you know, I'm fortunate to be here. It's a really exciting topic to discuss at the Tuckerano Open. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, a really exciting time. And I'm joined here with Thunder. Excellent. Bonjour, uh, Sigoli. Uh, my name is uh, Thunder, Thunder Jack. Uh, coming in from uh, Tuckerano, from Natigua-Aganing uh, First Nation, which is a uh, translation in Nishinaabe language to Whitefish Bay, which is uh, uniquely home of the jingle dress over in these regions. And uh, I'm also from Onyadaaga territory, which is uh, a translation in, in Oneida language that represents people of the standing stone or upright stone. And uh, we're members of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. Freddie and Thunder, what a pleasure it is to sit down with the both of you. There's much to talk about today as we prepare for Takaranto Open. How are the both of you doing? Doing pretty good. Can't complain. Just kind of going with the motions at this point and just really eager to get to Tuckerano uh, next month. Yes, yes, indeed, Freddie. And yourself, Thunder? Uh, doing pretty great. You know, just trying to enjoy the summer. You know, pretty excited and, and ecstatic for the 30th of September just to uh, have a good day to celebrate with uh, Freddie and the rest of the community here. It's going to be a good day. Yes. You've titled this highly anticipated project Takaranto Open, an Indigenous dance competition. And so, Freddie, I'll start with you. Can you talk a little bit about the project and also share with us how was it conceived? Yeah, so the Takarano Open is just a continuous portion of a series of competitive formats that I've been doing back home in Kansas. It all was conceived, you know, right after the pandemic where we had to kind of get strategic and creative on making sure that our celebrations are still intact while maintaining that structure for sustainable purposes. Because when the pandemic hit, you know, from lockdowns from Ontario to Kansas, we were all hit the same. And 
a lot of that really opened me up to understand like, hey, like, you know, what does the future look like with these celebrations and where we can gather safely, uh, you know, and, and securely too, especially with our elders. And so um, in 2021, we had the lead horse open one, uh, which was a minced grass competition. But it was a pilot program just to see how we can gradually come back to dancing and competing and also just, you know, just being together again. And so with the Tuck Run Open, it's the same format where it's going to be a jingle dress competition. It's just a seamless and genuine approach on not only reintroducing a major competitive format for powwows, because I understand back in like the 90s, and early 2000s, there was the Sky Dome powwow. But it was also kind of reintroducing, you know, this aspect of cultural tourism, recreational traveling, but also me doing it a genuine way too because I'm not from Tuckerano. And that's where, you know, Thunder comes in too with where he's from, you know, his expertise. And, you know, it's just kind of like a match made in heaven for us to work together and collaborate, but also be a part of something really at the forefront and new and exciting. Thank you, Freddie. And Thunder Jack, you do so much work in the Toronto community in Indigenous education. Can you talk about the importance of Takarato Open for community at this time? The reason why I think it's important for the community members here in Takarato is that the way that we celebrate through life is, is our understanding through powwow and through socials, through, through ceremonies. And this is just another way of, of expressing of who we are as Indigenous First Nations people here in Canada and, and celebrating throughout the U.S. and just showcasing and letting everyone know that, you know, this is our way of life. You know, and sometimes in our language, we, we would say this is what we call Mino Bawatsa Win, which is a translation in Anishinaabe Moan language for that good life. And then back home where I come from, my father said they would call me Galawio, which is like good message or good words. So it's just like kind of that translation with that Tuckeranto showcasing the, the style of the jingle dress. And uh, so I'm really excited and, and I can't wait to present and show this to uh, not only to our community here in Toronto, but the non-Indigenous folks as well. So that way they get a better understanding of why we celebrate and why these beautiful ladies wear these dresses and, and, and the understanding teachings that come with, along with it. Freddie was mentioning earlier that there, there used to be an Indigenous powwow, the Sky Dome. Can you share more, Thunder, about the history of Indigenous dance competition in Toronto? And also, if you can share more about the history of its impact. Uh, most definitely. We used to have Sky Dome powwow, which is right at the, now it's called Roger Centre. And it was a competition style of, of powwow with, with singing and dancing, all categories. And it went on for a few years, a number of years, actually. And it, it was a great opportunity for, at that time in the city, to really understand that there are First Nations people here in Toronto, in Tuckeranto. And there we have our own customs, we have our own teachings. It doesn't matter what nation or tribe we represent. We all have our own languages and differences in terms of celebrating the life or celebrating through song, celebrating through dance. And so that was a way for us to showcase in, in Skydome where, you know, home of the Blue Jays and, and home of many other events that, that went on took place there that, yeah, there are First Nations people and they, they go to Skydome every year to celebrate. You know, let's go check it out. Let's go see what they're about. And it wasn't only just a competition powwow. They would have a lot of Indigenous musicians that would perform, a lot of arts and crafts, a lot of craft makers. They would also have the Aboriginal Music Awards Festival happen that same weekend. So it was a big event for, for Toronto at that time. And then once it, once it wasn't uh, happening anymore, then there wasn't really a, a chance or 
an agency to pick up that slack and, and try to do or mimic uh, a big competition style powwow. But there has been powwows here in the city, but it's just been like traditional powwows, agency powwows, uh, college, university powwows, school powwows, etc. But there hasn't been formally like a really, really nice big competition powwow, just like Skydome. Uh, they had one at the exhibition grounds a few years later, um, just wasn't the same. It happened maybe twice, and then that, that was it. So uh, this Takaranto opened gives us that opportunity to try to ignite that fire again, to, to bring, that, bring that spirit back to Toronto, whether it's one category at a time. Yeah, and I really appreciate that share. And it does bring me to a question for both of you about competition and what many may think of when they consider competition in different ways. And so how does this particular competition speak to history, culture, and how does it also restructure what some may think of when they think about westernized dance competitions, for example? One of the main things about why this is very imperative is what Thunder mentioned before, is that the style of dance comes from his people. And the stories of how it has the healing components of it, it just is, is a seamless interaction and uh, impact on the day that it's happening on. Because from what happened and what transpired from the government binding from all the boarding schools, that day is really charged. And it's only fitting that this dance, which has healing components of it, is front and center in an area where traditionally powwow or powwow style dancing really hasn't happened, which is at Union Station. So we're coming into these locations that weren't meant for these kind of spaces, you know, all just from a perspective of, of showing the impact of what it has. And so that's kind of the historical component of it. As for competition, competition's not the one-all say-all for powwows. Um, there's people in there that, you know, only do traditional dances or only do ceremonial dances. Uh, and then competitive powwows, maybe they go to attend it. But some people just, you know, that's not their thing. And that's totally fine. There's a, a group of people out there that are committed to their craft, whether they're dancing, they're singing, or they're doing both, or they're traveling around with food stands or artists and craft making stands. It's a way of life. And so my biggest purpose for helping them is ensuring and legitimizing their talent. Because if you look at the westernized component of it, a lot of native communities, indigenous communities, you know, we gather around youth that are talented in sports, whether it's hockey, basketball, whether it's rodeo. But we don't have that same reciprocation towards our, our, our youth that really want to dance and sing. You know, we, we always say that, hey, you know, powers will always be there. You know, go, go get your education. But when the pandemic hit and classes were canceled, and powers were canceled, what were you doing? You know, what was out there for people? And so that same encouragement that we have for them to go get scholarships, go go do rodeo, which is the most Western thing you can do, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and to be good at it, you know, we need to have that equal amount of um, encouragement to our, our youth that want to dance and sing. There are a number of community connections that Takaronto Open has, including Native Women's Resource Center. And we should also mention that all of the proceeds from registration go to them. And so can you talk about the community connections? Freddie, if you like, we can go back to you. With this being a pilot program, and the day that it's on with the style of dance that we're honoring, it just makes sense, you know, that all the proceeds should go and benefit uh, the Native Women's Center of Toronto. And that's just kind of our way, you know, as, as Native people, we, we have a concept of giving back. You know, I'm not from this community, but this is my version of giving back, you know, of, of, of properly planting something where it can flourish and grow. 
And so with that genuine approach and effort, you know, it really makes people receptive to what we're trying to do because, you know, every landscape's different for each native community. And Takarano has multiple tens of thousands of, of, you know, indigenous people, you know, laying their stake and putting their impact in there. And this isn't to impede on others, you know what I mean? This is just simply to complement and ensure that, you know, we can all work in unison together too. So, so that's where, that's my perspective from the States. Like I said, bringing Thunder in, you know, really makes things seamless and really uh, interactive because he's from here. He's a part of this community. Those are his brothers, his sisters, his aunties, his uncles that are doing this work too. And so uh, it's just really nice that, you know, all of it just fits and, you know, really kind of sets it up for a really great story. It's just fitting that we choose Native Women's Resource Center of Toronto, you know, for all the proceeds and stuff. So so I want to acknowledge and say thank you, Pamela Hart, for accepting and taking that call and taking this in. It's going to be a great day, and it's, you know, and hopefully this is uh, just one of many. Yes, indeed. And let's walk through the day and talk about some of the folks, some of the community that will be involved, including the master of ceremonies, the the judges, the drumming and the singing. Can you take us through the day and what individuals can expect as audience members? What's really unique about this event is that, one, it's a jingle dress tournament competition. You know, we're going to siphon it down to the top eight and then kind of go from the top four all throughout from 12 to like four you're just going to have just consistent jingle, you know, dancing and, and, and competition. Uh, smoke show singers, they're going to be singing a lot. So that's what they can expect. Uh, but we're going to, we'll find ways, you know, to make it and to maximize the competitive output too. So we're, we ensure, you know, fair competition amongst all contestants too. But what's really unique though, on top of this, is that Acacia, she's going to be serving as an arena director and the head judge. And traditional, quote unquote, powwow formats, it's typically male-centric where there's a man head staff. But as things have progressed, I know some powwows have pushed towards uh, having women MCs. I know Manino Abi did that one year. So we're transitioning to this emphasis of where, you know, there's more inclusion amongst the roles of powwows. And so with this event being centered on that, you know, it only made sense to make Acacia, you know, uh, the arena director because she's a champion dancer. She's won in Gathering of Nations, which is the quote-unquote biggest powwow in North America, plenty of times. And so it's nice to have that notoriety, but just her aspect and her humble approach and how successful she's been, you know, she's a champion on and off the powwow dance floor and in the powwow world. And so that's really exciting to bring her expertise in here too, because she'll be the one to dictate on how she wants this competition to go. You know, how many judges are involved? Who are the judges going to be? What's the format going to look like depending on the numbers? And so for that whole day, um, you're going to walk in, it's going to be busy. Uh, I just, you know, I can just see it itself. It's going to be fun, but there's going to be a lot of dancing. It's just going to be like walking into like a, like a basketball tournament. You see just hundreds of courts of just kids playing. It's going to be like that kind of, but within the space that we have. So from 12 to six, just straight competition with the break in between to kind of give Thunder and his boys um, kind of some breathing room too. So, so that's from my perspective. Uh, it's going to be a lot of singing, you know, but we're, you know, the group, uh, Smoke Joe Singers, you know, shout out to Smoke Joe Singers. That's uh, my extended family and uh, Sue family. And, uh, you know, they're, they're up to the challenge and, you know, they, uh, they accepted it. It was one, one phone call away and, uh, you know, they're, they're going to bring their old way gun, which is their drum, you know, the drum. And they're going to bring that heartbeat of Mother Earth to right to Union Station and we're going we're gonna to rock the house. And in that rocking of the house, can, can you talk about 
How is it determined or, or deciphered who wins? And what does that look like? Like, you know, with rodeos or with sports, there's a definitive winner because there's a time frame, whether who has the highest score, whether who has, you know, from riding a bull to riding horses to scoring the most points, whether it's football, basketball, soccer, hockey, you know, there's a definitive winner. With powwows, though, it's, it's vastly different. It's similar to dance competitions, like with cheerleading and all that stuff, too. There's a technique. There's a frame of, of, of style in which judges prefer, but trying to be as unbiased as possible, too. By, by helping and stripping down their style and, and what they like and what they're looking for. The reason why we chose this format is because it's, it's more fair to judge. It's more fair to the individual because then you're not just throwing everybody out there and there's like 20 or 30 people. You know, you're going to make sure that you know, there's five or six of them at a time to where you know, that they're getting seen. Because that's the main thing out of all of this, you know what I mean? Like, people are going to travel hundreds of miles, you know. I'm going to make sure that, you know, that they have their fair share. Uh, and so that's, the, that's how we do it. Uh, a lot of other people are different. But with what Acacia's preferences and who her judges are, they'll come up with a plan on how they want to uh, situate, you know, and uh, get this competition done. Uh, and, you know, and that's why they're hired, you know, to, to come here in the first place is to make sure that, you know, this competition will be fair, would be just and equitable. And so the winner will be determined based off of who has the best style, best endurance, footwork, um, relevance to the song. Uh, it just really depends on that judge, too, you know, on what they're like, too, because some judges like old style. Um, original style and some judges like contemporary or some judges like a mix so it just really depends you know on who the team will be which we don't know yet too so that's what's exciting as well yes and what's exciting for me the more I listen is that there's there's this beautiful centering on community and history and celebration that's so powerful as I'm listening to the both of you speak and I'm curious to know why fall for dance and what is the future of Takaranto open? Can you speak to that? Working with them last year and what they were doing for us, I made the initial inquiry to Lily uh, Sutherland in February when I was performing down in Phoenix for the Super Bowl. And the simple inquiry was I was preparing and I pitched them an idea to do something in 2024. Because leading up to it back home in Lawrence, I was just burnt out from running events. And I wanted to take a, a year break. And when I introduced it to them, they were so intrigued with the idea. They wanted to do something this year. And I was like, you know what? Okay, sure. Why not? Uh, but it was their receptiveness. It was Fall for Dances North willingness and the commitment on Ilter, Lily, Aviva, the whole team. Just understanding, you know, what, what we're trying to do and how receptive they were to making this and understanding that it's a pilot project. That, you know, this is just a test. You know, and then it's going to be gradually maybe two categories next year, three the next year after that, and then maybe a full-blown power by year five. So we're gradually getting to that portion of it. But that's essentially you know, the, the gist of it, the bottom line on why we chose Fall for Dance and why they chose us, essentially. For it being Toronto, it's our first international presence across the border, and it won't be our last. And we're excited. And so, you know, we want this to grow. You know, I want me, Thunder, and everybody else to just be a part of, you know, building a foundation where there's this economic impact and generator that, you know, hundreds of, if not thousands of natives from Canada and, and the United States are coming and convening, whether it's the summer, whether it's the fall, you know, whether it's, you know, making Takarano a stop in their place because, you know, they want to they compete, you know, they want to they wanna be where everybody else is at. And so that's my vision. 
you know, but also having that social aspect where we are still giving back to the community somehow. And, you know, what better way, you know, to start with the Native Women's Center. So, yeah, that's my portion of it, too, from what I see. And uh, Thunder probably will have something very similar, if not. Yeah, no, he's, you, you nailed it, right? And it's just, uh, it's just what we do as, as indigenous people, rather we're from Canada, U.S., and this is a very unique style of bringing it. And we're going to put a, a little stop to Union Station to all those commuters. <laughs> so so they're going to be talking at their dinner tables that evening and say, you know, there's a bunch of natives at the Union Station there. They're singing, they're chanting, they're dancing. What the hell's going on over there, right? <laughs> so we're going to show them how, how beautiful our lifestyle is. The ninth annual Fall for Dance North Festival runs September 26th to October 7th, 2023, with both free and ticketed in-person and digital events. Takaranto Open is a free event co-presented with Union and will take place on September 30th at Union Station's West Wing. Doors open at 10 a.m. with the competition starting at noon. Visit ffdnorth.com for more info. This episode of Mambo was produced by Johnny Spence and Ben Whiteley with help from Milana Glumicic. Our theme music is by Johnny Spence. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.